0: maybe you needed to find a place of refuge or, or or maybe today you're someone who is fearful about the future you're not sure what the future holds and and you're just saying you know what what stability and what what future is in the world today i want to share with you today friends a story about someone who was a nobody who was a complete outsider but who God brought right into the very center of His purposes in the world. And God loves to do that. He loves to take us from where we are to where He wants us to be, which is an amazing, amazing place. It's the ultimate example that that God is the God of second chances. And He is for you today. Now, maybe you're thinking, you know, what hope is there for me? I don't know what my life's going to amount to. You know, in the Bible, there's a lot of stories of, larger-than-life characters, you know, people of great faith who did amazing exploits for God, men and women, you know, people like Abraham and Moses and Daniel and, you know, Esther and Deborah, people people like that that did great things for God. We can be sometimes uh, so impressed by their life, we can think, well, that was okay for them, but what about me? I-, I could never do anything like that. And then as you're reading the Bible, you read those stories and then then you turn the page and you come across this story of a couple of widows and a farmer in this out-of-the-way place that no one even heard of before, hardly. And you just know that God works in the lives of ordinary people like us just as much as He does in the lives of people that have got a, a big history and a great and a big and a big future. And I want to share with you this morning about someone in exactly that situation who came from nowhere and then ended up being right in the middle of God's purposes for their life. You know, life would have been very hard for someone um, growing up in the ancient nation of Moab. Uh, it was like a mountainous region that was to the, um, to the east of the Dead Sea, in what's now called Jordan. And they, uh, as a nation, they, they worshipped a variety of different kind of gods, with all kinds of things like human sacrifice was part of their deal in those days. So you can imagine that for a young person growing up, like a a young woman growing up in that culture, and I don't even know whether I'd use the word civilization, but that's what they would have called it. Um, You know, she would have lived in fear of retribution from the assortment of deities that they worshipped. Their life would have been pretty hard in those days. And So this young woman, whose name was Ruth, One day, she was down at the markets, and she caught the eye of this this young guy over there who looked a little bit, he was a bit different, he looked different, he spoke different, and she knew that maybe she was a bit different from everyone else there, and she said to him, you're not from around here, are you? And and it's true, he he wasn't. And uh, she had a conversation and went home and met this young man's family and parents, and and, um, Ended up, as, as these stories end up, she ended up marrying this guy. Okay, that's the way it worked out. So Ruth didn't know it at the time. She was completely unaware. She had no knowledge of God. She had no understanding about the living God, the God of Israel. She had no knowledge about, of God, but she had just aligned herself. She'd come into the orbit of a family that was part of the purposes of God at that time. The covenant... Purposes of God, and uh, she would just become part of that that family. And she was draw- Ruth was incredibly drawn to her mother-in-law, a woman called Naomi. There was something about Naomi. She was uh, she had this sparkle in her eyes. She she there was something Ruth couldn't explain, couldn't uh, understand it. But there was something she knew there was something of life in in Naomi that she really wanted, and she knew it was because Naomi had a relationship with a god who was completely different to the gods that she'd grown up with that Ruth had grown up with anyway everything was fine for a few years um and then tragedy struck and all the men of this family died they just they just died and it was it was awful and uh here she was you know with the she'd married into this family and all the, the men they just they just died now that was that was actually a pretty tough situation so both Naomi And her daughter-in-law, Ruth, were both left as widows at that time. And maybe, you know, maybe today here, you know, you're going through some kind of situation, some kind of hard times that you completely can't explain or understand. And you're saying, why is this happening to me? It's so often that we, when things like that happen, we blame God and we don't understand why this is happening to me right now. And Ruth said in chapter 1, or Naomi said, Ruth chapter 1, verse 13, Naomi said, this is a bitter pill for me to swallow. God has dealt me a hard blow. Sometimes we think like that, don't we? We think, what's going on around here? I don't understand this. I don't know what's caused this. But why is this happening to me? I'm a Christian. You know, I'm one of God's chosen people, so to speak. Why is this happening to me? We need to understand that in these times, there was no welfare safety net. There was no, you know, um, center link. There was nothing like that at all. And for uh, women living in these times and in this kind of culture, um, it was pretty tough. Women couldn't inherit property or own property. um, And they would have struggled in this kind of situation. And it was just a cultural and historical fact of those times that women were actually disadvantaged in this kind of situation. and uh, But it was never God's plan. And I want to just take a moment just to share with, with you about this. And I want all the men here to take notice of this. What I'm about to say is really, really important. What I'm going to say here, Genesis chapter 2, verse 18 says this, The Lord God said, It is not good for... Adam, we talk about Adam and Eve here, for the man to be alone, I will make a helper suitable for him. Now, this is a very, very well known verse of scripture and in the Bible, right at the very beginning of the Bible. And sometimes people get the idea because God said about Eve, it's okay, Adam and Eve. Sometimes people have the idea that because God said about Eve, I'm gonna make a helper suitable for Adam that it's referring to, you know, someone, a subordinate role or someone like the apprentice or the, the TA, you know, uh, just handing the, the, you know, the, screw, the screwdriver or the spanner to the, to the tradesman, that type of helper. You know, that's completely the opposite of what the Scripture is actually saying here if you study it and you look into it. It's very interesting. That word helper is used 21 times in the Old Testament of the Bible and of those 20, two of those times are talking about Adam and Eve. And all the rest of the times are talking about a stronger person helping a weaker person. In fact, almost all of them are talking about God helping us. So, so when it says, I'm going to make a helper for Adam, you know, God wasn't saying, I'm going to make someone subordinate, subordinate to, be, to him. That word is mostly used for someone stronger helping the weaker. It's important we get a hold of that. We don't take on any kind of paternalistic, you know, chauvinistic views about men and women in the church. Uh, I, I might have more to say about that at some other occasion. So, second thing about it is that it's important we understand that God is always on the side of the poor and the disadvantaged. And I just love this from uh 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 8, this is about Hannah uh, prophesying. and It says, He puts your poor people on their feet again. He rekindles burnt-out lives with fresh hope, restoring dignity and respect to their lives. So God is always looking how to, to lift up the people that are in, in a bad situation, the people who are disadvantaged, and the people who are poor. So, you know, when when uh, Naomi and Ruth felt that they were in a bad situation, you know what? That's a good place to be in, in one sense, because you know that God is on your side. He's right with you, right there. And later on, this is amazing, later on, Naomi, even though she said, you know, God has dealt me a bad deal, she said later on, she had to acknowledge, she was forced to acknowledge, when things turned around completely, she acknowledged this in Ruth 2.20. She said to her daughter-in-law, God hasn't walked out on us after all. <laughs> I love this. He still loves us in bad times as well as good. And I want you friends to get a hold of that this morning. God still loves you in bad times as well as, as, well as good. So we keep saying, God, you're of course he's good. He's good, but there's bad stuff in the world. And we live in the world, right? So bad stuff can sometimes happen to you. But God still loves you in bad times as well as good because he is fundamentally good. He doesn't love you because you are good. He loves you because he is good. It's so important. So Naomi decides, I'm going back to my own people. And um, I'm going back to Israel. And um, eventually, uh, Ruth convinces Naomi that she's coming too. Naomi tries to say, no, no, just stay here. But Ruth says, no. I'm coming back. I'm going with you because I want to be like you. I've seen something in your life that is absolutely real. I want, I want what you've got. So anyway, it, the journey begins. So Ruth, here she is. Here's Ruth, uh, Naomi and Ruth. They've come back into the country, the land of Israel. And, and Ruth is a widow. She is destitute. They've got nothing. Destitute. She's an alien in a foreign country. She was a nobody with nothing living in a foreign land, but God has a plan, an amazing plan for her life. And in, in those days, if you were poor, if you were really poverty stricken, one of the things you could do, so very in society, okay, so farming was the big deal in those days. So one of the things you could do is you could go out into the paddock somewhere and you could find some farmer that was amenable to it and you could – And when they were harvesting the grain, okay, so they never had like a a John Deere header, you know. Uh, Murray knows what I'm talking about and a few others probably. Phil, you know what I'm talking about, don't you? They never had that. They had people who would go out with big knives and they would cut the stalks of grain and and they would thrash them out and, you know, so if you were really poor and poverty stricken, you could go out in the fields or the paddocks and you could follow along behind the people uh, that were harvesting the grain and you could just hope that some grains had fallen out in the process and you could pick up those individual grains. It was called gleaning from the harvest. It's what poor people used to do in those days. So Ruth said to herself, I'm going to go out and find somewhere that I can, some paddock that I can glean from and try and get some grains of wheat. You know, think we're talking about absolute subsistence stuff here, folks. Anyway, as it turned out, Ruth went out and she found herself picking up grains of wheat in a paddock that belonged to a wealthy relative of her father-in-law a guy called Boaz and so um, and Boaz because he was a relative um, he was one of those who had a responsibility in bible times to help out his relatives in need people who had fallen on hard times so there's a concept in the Bible, in the in the Old Testament, where um, if if you had substantial means and some of your family fell on hard times or encountered real problems, you had a responsibility to go and help them out, and it meant to to you know buy back buy them back from a, from a debt position or or to uphold their rights. The word was to be a kinsman redeemer or a family redeemer. So. Boaz was a family redeemer for Naomi and Ruth. And, uh, and the amazing thing about this is it's so relevant to us because Jesus is our redeemer, and he's a family redeemer for us. There were requirements for a family redeemer. Number one is you had to be family. You, know, you had to be related, closely related. You had to be willing to do it. Um, you had to be able have the means and the capacity and you had to pay the price in full you know if they were in debt you had to pay it out in full you Now that's so much like for us today because jesus the bible says he became like one of us so that he could redeem us he is our his family he became like one of us he was willing he was totally willing there's, there's Bible verses about all these, so that Jesus, absolutely willing, he said, "God, not my will, but your, yours be done." I've, I've come, I've come for the purpose of fulfilling your will. But I, Jesus said, "I'm willing, I'm willing." He was able, he was absolutely able to do it, and he paid the full price for your redemption. He paid so that you could be brought back to God. What an amazing thing that is. So Boaz says to Ruth, in chapter two, verse twelve, he says to Ruth. May, the, may the, God of, the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge, reward you fully for what you have done. He recognized that she had fled from that foreign country of, of destitution and nothing, and she'd come into the place where they had a covenant relationship with God. And he said to her, you've come under God's protection And I know this is significant this morning because I just know there's people here today that are in that situation where you need to take refuge under God's wings, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. There's a picture here of like a mother hen and her chickens coming under under the wings and finding refuge. It's uh, often talked about in the, in that sense. I, I was thinking about this and thinking about my dad actually, who passed away a long time ago and and uh he he was a business operator of quite some um substantial business interests. He was a farmer uh he had an earth moving contracting business he's also a logging contractor and he employed quite a few people I'm guessing like I, back in those days, I was probably a teenager and, and um I, I'm guessing about a dozen people he, he employed, but I was thinking <laughs> about some of his employees that i that I knew at the time and like one guy that I knew, and um, his son was my friend at school, And, and uh, but this guy was from generations of people that had been addicted to alcohol, and uh, he, was, he was, you know, he had he'd really struggled in his life. Another guy that I remembered at the time uh, was a bit of a shady kind of a character, and later on had some trouble. He was a bit light-fingered, and he used to, yeah, you know, you know the story. So, um, but there was other people... That he employed as well, that that had been through hard times in life, and I, I think about that, and you know, all those people. Why were they there? What? Why, why was? Why were they working for my dad? They they were there because they found a place of refuge. They found a safe place. You know, friends, we we've got to be willing to let God protect us. We've got to be willing. It says here, you know, may the Lord the God of Israel, under whose wings you have come to take refuge. Jesus talked about this himself. He was praying over and, and speaking prophetically over the city of Jerusalem, and he said these words, Oh, Jerusalem, how often I, I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings, but you were not willing. Now, we've got to be willing, friends, to take refuge in him. We've got to be willing to come to him, and say, God, I need your help. God, would you protect me right now? I need your strength. Even, you know, when Jesus told the story of the, the shepherd who went after the sheep who was lost, even that sheep had to be willing to come and let the shepherd hoist him up onto his shoulders. You know, we've got to be willing to let God work at our behalf and to protect us, to let him protect us in those times. Because he won't force himself on anyone. He won't. But I love the thing, that that verse in Ruth chapter 2, it says, you know, God reward you fully for what you have done. The amazing thing is when we take refuge in Him, when we take refuge, then He rewards us. God is not begrudging you in the slightest. He rewards people who take refuge in Him. And He says, I'm going to reward you today if you just come and take refuge in me. So Boaz became the family redeemer for Ruth, and he buys her back from poverty. And then, as you, you, some of you know the story, he ends up marrying Ruth. And uh, in, in the process of time, they have a son who becomes the grandfather of King David. And so what happens is that Ruth, who was a complete, Nobody in in poverty stricken, in a a country completely away from God, she comes right into the very center of God's uh, ultimate uh, eternal purposes in the lineage of Jesus. What what an incredible thing. She becomes part of God's long-term redemption plan. Not only was she redeemed and brought back herself, but she became part of God's plan for redeeming the whole of humanity every person in the world. And I think that David, King David, when he was writing his Psalms, and he was, you know, Psalm 103, I reckon he was thinking of his great-grandmother, Ruth, when he wrote these words. Who redeems my life from destruction and who crowns me with mercy and compassion. That's what happened to Ruth. You know, she came from nowhere, complete destitution, And she was redeemed and brought into a place of blessing and incredible uh, favor before God. I wonder can our creative team uh, come back now uh, just for a few moments. So I just want to say this morning, friends, that regardless of what your backstory is, regardless of where you've come from and how things were when you were growing up or how things are for you even right now, regardless of all of that, I want to tell you that God is opening His heart and he just wants you to know that there's a place of refuge in him. Maybe today your only thing is you're just you're just concerned about the future. You're just saying, Well, I don't know what the future holds. Maybe the passing of the queen, you know, well, it's, this is like the changing of the guard in a major way. You're, maybe you're thinking that. And you're saying, Well, wh- where are we going to where to from here? Where do we go from here? And I'll tell you right now, friends, he is saying, You can always come to me. You can take a refuge in me. I, I just think of that scripture. That says that the name of the Lord is a strong and mighty tower. The righteous runs into it and are saved. And are saved. And you, you can run to him. You can run into his name and be saved today. He wants to kick to come and give life and hope where there was none. And it's just encouraging this morning, and I'm encouraging it to say. Reach out to God and say, God, I give my life to you. I want my life to be part of your much bigger story. You You might feel like you've been insignificant in the past, but God is saying, I want to make you part of my story, which is far bigger, far more significant. Take my brokenness, my lack, my insignificance, and turn it into something beautiful for you. Can we pray right now? Father, I thank you for each person gathered here in this room. And I know, Lord, that you've got an amazing future for each one of us today. Lord, things that you want to do in our lives. And I'm asking right now, Lord, that every one of us will be open to that. or that we're going to run to you. we're going to run and take refuge in you. Take refuge in your strong arms. Take refuge in that place of safety. Take confidence in you today. I don't need to be fearful of the future I don't need to be worried about what will happen but I can have absolute confidence in you Hallelujah Hallelujah Thank you Lord God Wonderful Jesus Wonderful Lord God Maybe you just need to take that step today folks Maybe you're thinking in your heart that you want to respond to God You need to take that step towards Him and say God I'm going to run to you You're going to be my first point of call I'm not going to run to anything else. I'm going to run to you today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus. I just want to encourage you this morning. Say yes in your heart. Just say yes to Jesus. Say yes, Lord, I will, I'll give my life to you. I'll give my life fully to you. And if you're here today and you haven't ever really opened up your heart to God, well, every head is bowed. No one's looking around today. But if that's you, just saying yes to Jesus, right, I want you to raise your hand. I'll see that. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you and with you today. That God will do something powerful and amazing in your life this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus.